and we are back in the locker room coming to you live from chicago illinois we are here to review ufc 267 my name is taj and i got my co-host bruce and wow what the hell of a card from top to bottom it was just just stacked it had everything you wanted in this fight in all of these fights, we had submissions, mostly submissions, takedown artists. We had breakout stars coming in, new names being talked about that we were not talking about just two years ago. And that's just to an testament of how far this sport is coming along. The game of everyone is changing. We used to have knockout artists, but now it seems like the ground game and submissions is the way to go now. So let's just kick this off right from the top. We have Glover Teixeira taking on Jan Blahovic, the champion. And who saw this coming? Honestly, after we saw, uh, after we saw Blahovic fight Israel Adesanya, who was undefeated in the UFC, and then knocking out Dominic Reyes and knocking out Corey Anderson, we did not expect our boy Glover Teixeira to be getting it done at the age of 42. Glover's like fine wine. Gets better with age, you know? He 100% is. Everyone was counting him out. Everyone was saying he's too old. This is just an testament to everyone that just says, hey, man, I can't do this because I'm old or oh, I wish I was younger. He's 42 and still doing the damn thing. Just, just wow. It just seemed like Blahovich couldn't get out of first or second gear. Right, right from the beginning of the, the get-go, Glover Teixeira came at him with a pace. He pushed it on him. And he just had no answer to him. The second round, he caught him with that check left hook. And then Blahovich was just wobbly. He was worried about the, the, the punches to the face. And then Glover Teixeira took him down and submitted him with the rear naked choke quite quickly. He looked like he was ready to tap. It seemed like maybe he was probably dealing with an injury or something coming into the fight. But this Blahovich just looked different from the one that we were just used to all these years. Uh, the, the Polish power, as good as Dominic been, he did not show up tonight. Do you, think, do you think Jan didn't expect to be taken down in the first round right away and then just got, I wouldn't say mauled, but, I mean, he had top control, you know, quite a bit. He did. He, he should have been expecting the, the ground game. Uh, just from knowing of Lover Teixeira's background in BJJ, I would have thought his main game plan would have been to stuff takedowns, keep the fight standing, and just piece him up with a jab. But it just seemed like Glover Teixeira not only had the advantage on the ground, but also standing up as well. I was very surprised at how one-sided this fight was. And just have to say, congratulations to Glover Teixeira. He's taking that home back to Brazil. He's getting it done. And they say there's no rest for the wicked because he has Jerry Prochka to look forward to next. And that is going to be a fight. I do not see that fight going to the decision. The judges, they can take a break or get some coffee. Because if you've seen Jerry Prochka, he's just been on a tear through this light heavyweight division. He's going to win because of the haircut. More than likely, yes, he got five uh, stat boots for having that haircut. I have not seen anyone in the UFC that has such a tradition and iconic hairstyle. But again, after what he did to uh, Dominic Reyes with that spinning back elbow and that relentless pressure, it's going to be a tough night in the office. And that just lets you know how, sport, how fast the sport does move again. Just We already have the next contenders coming up. And so we have Jerry Pahachka is going to be fighting Glover Teixeira next. 
And then more than likely with Anthony Smith fighting Alexander Rakic in December, they, whoever wins that fight, it's going to get the winner of Jerry Prochaska. And just a little side note, if you guys watch the main opener, watch out for Magalad Ankalov. He is going to be a problem with this light heavyweight division as well. I know a lot of people, on, I, I thought after this card, a lot of people were going to be talking about him. But with just how the rest of the card played out, it was kind of really hard to see that. Uh, especially when you just go to decision. But Magomed Ankalov, he is upcoming as well. So I honestly do believe by the end of next year, he is going to be the light heavyweight champion. That's just my early prediction for that. And now with the co-main event, we had Peter Yan taking on Corey the Sandman Sandahagen for the interim 135 bantamweight championship. A lot of people were saying this is the real championship, not the interim. But after this result, how can we deny that Peter No Mercy Yan is the undisputed 135-pound champion? It was just one of those clinic fights where he, he does what he does in every single other fight. He breaks hold in the first and second round, and he just slowly starts to put on the pressure. We even said it too, like stylistically... Both fighters are equally matched, I would say, and it was it literally came down to chess. It was it was a chess match the whole entire time and went to decision, but not a single one, not a single second of this fight did any man want to give up the ground. When Peter Yan cracked Corey, he wanted to come back with his own combination with knees, elbows. Peter Yan had a lot of spinning back elbows. One of them dropped Corey uh, Sandman in the third round, but hey, Corey's a warrior. He came back up. But it, just, it proved that Corey had the advantage in the first two rounds. And then Peter, like he always does, just slowly started to apply pressure. And the fourth or fifth round, Corey was just slowly starting to melt. Peter's a better boxer. Oh, yeah. He, he better was boxer. a better boxer. That's what it came down to. He was defending those shots. Uh, Corey's more of a, an orthodox fighter. You know, he has those weird angles. But Peter just, he was just waiting. He even said in the post-fight um, interview during the conference that from watching Corey Sandman, uh, his tape, he saw that Corey was doing a lot of unnecessary movement. So he was essentially waiting for Corey to kind of burn himself out, and it, it played off big. Usually, you know, that's a big risk, especially in this game of leaving it in the hand of the judges and it, like this fight was. He played a, a risky gamut, but it did pay off, and... There was just no doubt, no question left behind it. After these five minutes, five rounds went by, Peter Yan was the undisputed, just he was the overall winner, and he's the new interim champion. So hopefully next, we'll get to be able to see him versus Aljamain Sterling again. It's going to be interesting with everything that's going on right now. But now, more than ever, that fight has to happen. If that doesn't happen, let's say he stalls a little bit more, Sterling that is, does Pewter fight the cheater? Because that will be a great matchup. Are you talking about the snake in the grass? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, that would be a good fight. They, that should be the matchup. After this, there, there's no one else. It's Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling. If Aljamain can't step up, it's looking like Mr. Snake in the Grass, TJ Dillashaw, is going to get his, his death wish at this point. And what a hell of a fight that's going to be. Same thing. I don't know what's going on with this 135 division, but the, you just know when you look at these fighters when it's going to 
when a fight's going to go to decision because neither man is going to give an inch of ground. And TJ Dillashaw and Peter Yan, that's going to be a hell of a fight, but I see that going all five rounds. Oh, 100%. They both have gas tanks. Both have gas and tanks. And we already know that. Oh, yeah. They, they, they do not get gassed out. They don't get tired. They don't quit is not in their vocabulary when they are in that octagon. And that's just, they just go for it. So I, I believe that fight's going to happen sometime next year. I'm going to say with TJ Dillashaw getting his knee worked on and that cut above his eye, look for that early spring, I'm going to say. That, that just lets you know, again, how fast the sport moves. We already know the chess pieces for the next match that's coming up. And so if it's not Peter Yan versus Aljo, it's going to be Peter Yan versus TJ Dillashaw. And I'm going to be excited to see that fight. And then we got up next the fight that we were all excited to see, Islam Mahachev versus Dan Hooker. What to say, man. We, my heart goes out for Dan Hooker. This was one of those fights where you, you wanted Hooker to win. He's a man's man. He took this fight on four weeks' notice after RDA Rafael Dos Anjos pulled out stayed in Vegas away from his family and his daughter uh, all the way across the world because he was stuck here due to COVID and Australia's rules on the lockdown. And he was like, hey, man, if I'm going to be sticking around, let me get in there again. And hats off to him. We all wanted Dan Hooker to win. How could you not like Dan Hooker? He's just one of those fighters that you just love to cheer for. He brings it every single time. But Islam Mahachev... He was just a better fighter today overall. Just he, a better fighter. He made a statement today, or yesterday, I should say, with that uh, submission. That was nasty. It looked like he, after he took him down, after that quick jab, and then he just got the double leg, it looked like he was going to break his arm with that Kimura. It was, it was just bad, and we heard him scream afterwards where it was just being yanked in. At first, um, Dan Hooker got up. I thought he was like protesting, like that he didn't tap. But apparently, from the post-fight interview, he was um, he was upset because he was saying that he was tapping and the referee wasn't calling the fight. And it kind of makes sense now because it damn near looked like Dan Hooker was about to pet the back of his head. That's how wicked and how much twerk that uh, Islam Makachev got on that. Once he put his leg over Dan Hooker's head, it was it was that was a that was a done deal, and he did it was it was a it was a wrap. And then uh, you have Khabib that was right next to him, giving him all of the all the instructions. You had Hasbullah next to him. Don't get him mistaken. So I think Hasbullah was the one who's actually giving the instruction. It sounds like he's the one that's actually taught Khabib, and he's passed him down to Islam. Oh, but. Overall, that, that was a quick finish. It, it was a, like two minutes, and no, it was like three minutes and 28 seconds in, the, in round number one. Where does Dan Hooker go from here next? I, I don't know. It, unfortunately, it's just starting to prove that Dan Hooker is not a top five fighter, but it, it's okay. He's going to have really fun stylistic matchups. Even I would love to see him versus uh, Tony Ferguson. I'd love to see Dan Hooker versus uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, kind of something like a comeback fight, because we, we, we still want to see Dan Hooker fight. Is he going to be champion? No. Is he going to beat probably a Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler? Maybe. Th those guys don't 
really, well, other than Justin Gaethje, he puts people out in the first round. But the, overall, there's just very stylish, good matches for Dan Hooker. So he shouldn't hold his head down on here or, or just in general. He should just keep going, pick it back up, take a break, go see your family, and just come back again, hopefully sometime early next year. And then the last fight that everyone is just going nuts over, we got Hamza Chimaev versus Li Jingling. What the hell? I expected him to come back with a vengeance, but not like this. He murdered Li Jingling. He right when the bell started, um, they met in the center of the octagon. He picked him up, carried him over to Dana White, told them to get off of his cell phone while he was talking to him in the middle of the ring, and then slammed him down to the ground and just slowly but surely, like an anaconda, just started to slowly strangle him. From from we went from rear naked choke to ground and pound. It was just it, it, this was a dismantling. This was his coming out party, and he proved it more than ever. He only got hit once too, right? He only got hit a single. No, in this fight he got hit zero times. times. And his past four fights, yesterday being his fourth, he's taken one strike in four fights. Pretty good. Is that I didn't even think that was even possible. This this is the fight business, and he's not getting hits. He is going to be a problem at 170. I'm glad that he finally picked his weight class. He, at first, he was bouncing up to 185 and down to 170. And then after the COVID stunt, he I'm glad to see him sticking to a weight class. That's what you want to see from a professional fighter. But after this, I want to see him fight a top 10 guy. After this, he needs to fight a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He needs to fight a Neil Magny, who, funny enough, called out Hamzat Chimaev uh, last night. But after this, there's nothing but top 10 opponents. And it's crazy because, if you notice, no one is calling out Hamzat. And this situation where you have a hype train and people want to shut down a hype train and take everything from them, you usually have fighters that are calling out to be the next guy. But after this, no one is saying anything. I'm not hearing a peep from anyone in the 170-pound division. And it's, it just lets you know that we all know that this guy is for real. He is a problem. And everyone's going to tune into his next fight. We're, we're all watching. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess he's going to headline a, a main event on an ESPN card. And then after that... I see nothing but him headlining pay-per-views after what happened last night. So hats off to Hamzat Chimaev. We were all looking forward to the next one, and thank you for that great performance you put on. Glad he's back healthy. Yes, 100%. And it, it's, it's just interesting, man. Again, we were not even talking about this guy two years ago, and look at this. He's on the, on the tips of everyone's conversation when it comes to talking. And there you have it, UFC 267. It did not disappoint from top to bottom. We had everything we wanted in this fight. And again, if you guys want to hear more, we will be performing again on our podcast show next week. It's going to be Kamaro Usman versus Kobe Covington. Tune in to that one. It's going to drop on Thursday, so tune in and wait. Mark your calendars. 